Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. David Haw, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock live at the Cubs convention at the Sheridan Grand Hotel in downtown Chicago. People are gathering here. People are in are great moods. They got their Cubs hats. They got their Cubs suits. They've got their Cubs uniforms, for goodness sakes, Bruce. I think that one's from 1914, looking like that, yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah, Do you remember be. covering that team? No, I was I was a year away okay. from uh, covering at that time. But uh, some, some of these logos, I mean, you know, the thing about Cub logos is, is they never get old, okay? You're looking at something from 1914, and anybody that has any – Cub blood running through their veins goes, I want one of those, okay? You know? those, I think you could probably sell those, which brings us to our next guest, Crane Kenny, the president of business operations for the Chicago Cubs who could find a way to sell anything. Good morning, Crane. <laughs> Welcome. How's it going? It's going great, and it's great to be with you live instead of just on my cell phone. It's great <laughs> to see you live. So if you, if you would, we could continue this conversation a little bit. We were just talking about the Cubs Hall of Fame, and – Bruce and I both talked about uh, our Sammy Sosa philosophy. He was on the ballot this year. I did not vote for him. Bruce did. I applied the same logic I did with the Cooperstown uh, voting process. We don't need to get into all of that. But I do think it's interesting from your perspective, this is the Cub Hall of Fame is intended to honor the tradition and the legacy of so many players, of so many teams, just the Cub history being honored and celebrated. When you have somebody as polarizing as Sammy Sosa, does it concern you or disappoint you that when he doesn't get in, the conversation stems to be, it tends to be around that rather than who did get in? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's logical to have the conversation. I mean, I, I grew up in the organization when Sammy was in, in many ways the star of the team um, and in some ways the star of baseball that summer with Mark McGuire, right? I mean, it's, it, you can't deny what he did for the game and for our organization. Um, so he's, you know, a very big figure. Um, the good news is, you know, as voters on the panel, uh, we take this very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed Hardig, our team historian, and I, I would put Ed uh, up against any other team's historian in terms of his level of, of, of knowledge and his depth of, of, of knowledge. In fact, at the very moment we're here today, uh, he is leading a session downstairs 
that was sold out, maybe one of the first sessions sold out, to talk about Cubs history. So Ed puts the ballot together. Um, he determines which players qualify uh, for uh, consideration. And then it's a 75% threshold. You know, it's a, it's a difficult threshold to match. Uh, Sammy did not get there this year. Kerry Wood and Aramis Ramirez did, two fabulous players, which is a wonderful moment last night. So we're going to celebrate them this year. Um, it'll be up to Ed again next year to determine who goes back on the ballot. Maybe Sammy is on again next year. You do get to a point, I think, in these things where when your vote count continues to diminish, you fall off the ballot. Right. But that'll be, a, that'll be a matter for next year. We're talking to Crane Kenny, the president of baseball ops for uh, the Chicago Cubs, uh, David Hall, Bruce Levine, live at the Cub convention. Crane, uh, last year in July, you guys rolled out uh, streaming, and it seemed to have uh, a big success right away. First and foremost, streaming's not going away. It's a big part of what television is going to look like in the future for all sports, including the Chicago Cubs and all other 29 baseball clubs. But the, re the reality is streaming and getting uh, the baseball fans used to it and what it's going to be about in 2024. Maybe you can help us there. Yeah. So we didn't, we're not doing the business panel this year. Turns out that we are one of the least interesting panels uh, each year uh, when uh, we do our post-convention surveys. But one of the questions I got almost every year was about blackouts. And, you know, I'm a Cub fan living in Iowa. My cable provider doesn't pick up your channel, and I can't watch it because MLB dedicates that territory to the Cubs, so you can't buy the MLB.tv package. So I'm prohibited from watching the league's offering and my cable service provider isn't offering your channel, so I'm blacked out. It would have been nice if we did have the panel for right. at least one moment because I could say we've solved it. Um, because now today, if you're in Iowa and your cable service provider doesn't pick up Marquee, you can buy our streaming service, which we're incredibly proud of. We launched mid-year. This year, uh, we're launching uh, in February. Uh, and if you sign up in February for the channel, you get the first month free. So you'll watch all of our spring training games uh, which we're really proud that you you, you help us with, Bruce, um, in March uh, for free. Uh, and then the rest of the season will be, you know, hopefully another exciting one like last year. So, um, you know, go to marquee.com uh, to sign up. And uh, But you're right. So the world has changed a ton. You know, I, we were talking earlier. I used to wait with, with great anticipation when our rights uh, would return to us. So in 2005, uh, we took our rights back from Fox Sports Chicago and launched Comcast Sportsnet and saw a huge increase in our media rights. Um, and, and that's all changed. So you're seeing clubs regret the day their rights return to them because the economics are in decline, not growing. Um, and I think that's going to be a very big issue for baseball as a whole. Um, if you look at our revenues, which support the operation of the club, um, our, our biggest and most important revenue line is ticket sales. But then our next biggest and, and important line is, is media rights and then sponsorship sales. And media rights are in decline, and they're in decline for the Cubs, they're in decline for the Yankees and the Red Sox and every other team in baseball. And we need to make those revenues up somewhere. Um, and that's going to be an issue for all of us to face going forward. So you went into this offseason, and there was a lot of hope. Maybe it was fantasy world, or maybe it was unrealistic, but Shohei Otani was the big prize. And the Cubs, from what we understand based on the reporting, were involved to some degree. To what degree, Crane? How involved were the Cubs actually? And, 
And when you, in your position, look at what he signed for, $700 million with the Dodgers, is there a sense of relief or disappointment when he does that and he doesn't sign with your team? You know, I'd say, you know, disappointment because we did a lot of work on, on the player. Um, there are a few players that will really move the needle for us on the business side. Um, clearly, he is one both from a sponsorship and ticket sales and ratings that would been, would have moved the needle. And so, you know, working hand in glove with Jed to, to try and calculate how much he would grow our revenues, which would allow us to afford the player. So we, our team did an amazing job, Colin Faulkner, John Greifenkamp, and, and the team, like trying to project what would, what would Otani do for us on the revenue side, therefore what could we, you know, uh, give Jed. And then when you don't get the player after all that work, it's, there's a bit of disappointment. Um, the size of the contract made it, a little easier to understand because it, it, it just was outside our budget um, under any circumstance. The deferrals, you know, are interesting because there's a time value of money and a present value of that. Still have to pay it. But you still have to pay it. And the league adds, the league does a calculation and you, your, um, your budgets for uh, revenue sharing purposes and for uh, luxury tax purposes does calculate it in a present sense. So um, I'd say frustration for a little while, but then, you, you know, you flip the page. You have a, a, a general manager who's a seasoned guy who's considered a, a great person on top of being a great baseball guy, which is just a plus for everybody in the organization. It's a pleasure to deal with. But at the same time, he has talked about the fact that he works hand-in-hand with you and Tom every year, and that money that he had to spend last year, he didn't necessarily spend all that was available to him. From that perspective of uh, fans trying to put their head around, well, why didn't our president of baseball operations spend all that money when he had it? Can, can you uh, explain some of the philosophies about two-year, three-year, five-year, six-year, ten-year plans for teams? Yeah, you know, it's, it's – so Jed and I are, like, we're uh, independently dependent on each other. Like um, – I'm not sure if he cares that much whether we hold a concert, a hockey game, a golf like we did last year, uh, or any other event to grow our revenues. I think he, uh, he cares about our business immensely, but trusts that we will do the best we can, whether it's ticket pricing, launching a new network, or other, to try and grow the business, because he knows he's incredibly dependent on those revenues, and that's for... That's for free agents for sure, but it's also for the new pitching and hitting lab that we're building in Arizona for scouting, for player development, for all of the things, hiring our new scouts in Asia. So, you know, in one sense, very dependent on our revenues growing so his business can thrive. On the other hand, very um, trusting that we, we're, we'll do the best we can to make that happen. The flip side's also true. I don't get involved in allocating resources from one place to another. If he wants to use his budget for free agency, Rather than growing some other part of the business, that is entirely up to him. So we're very dependent on each other because the coin is the same coin, right? So a better team on the field allows me to monetize that team through ratings, through ticket sales, through partnership excitement. And, and that allows him to have more revenue next year. So when the thing really gets moving, like it was in, in 15, 16, 17, we have a great team on the field. We get to 3.3 million fans in the ballpark. Tons of excitement. Ratings are up. By the way, ratings were up 35% last year. So you could see just what happened with a team that was exciting like that. And then those revenues get turned back to him the next year. And then the ball gets going downhill. And that's, that's the beauty and when it's going like that. Um, so we're, you know, 
I really care. I really, really care about the product on the field, but I trust him for put it, to put the roster together. Did you say hockey game? Yeah, we had one in 09. And yeah, I know. Is there one coming? Because just go back to, to connect the dots. The, there was a report after the Winter Classic this year in Seattle with the Kraken that the Blackhawks might be in line because of a guy, young man named Connor Bedard. And Chicago makes a lot of sense for the NHL to look at because of those realities. Wrigley Field makes a lot of sense because of your history hosting hockey games. Is that a realistic possibility? Yeah, we're very hopeful. So I'd say, you know, we, we put our hat in the ring for things like the MLB All-Star Game. Clearly, we put our hat in the ring for a Winter Classic. Um, we love having our Northwestern's ga Northwestern games next year with the renovation of their building. Uh, we may have more than one. So... Um, we did Top Golf this year. We'll do that again, I think, at least once, maybe twice. That was a huge uh, success. So, yeah, but we're, we threw our hat in the ring on the Winter Classic. We're hopeful there. Great. So, an all-star game. You know, we talk every year at the convention about when are the Cubs going to get an all-star game. They haven't had one since 1990. They've only had three in their history since 1933. So, from that perspective, we understand the Cubs want one. We, we know you dearly want one. We've also explained to fan bases for the last five years is that uh, as far as uh, the uh, structure of Wrigley Field, where it's at street-wise, that uh, security is a major issue. You now have a new mayor in that you're working with. The last time we talked to you, you said that uh, conversations have gone well. How much will uh, Major League Baseball cooperate with helping you get that next all-star game if you can show them that the security around Wrigley Field is going to be good enough for them to feel comfortable that a big event is not going to be tampered with. Yeah, um, we had a meeting this week on Monday of whatever it is, six days ago uh, with the city, uh, with three senior leaders at the city talking about the all-star game. <clears throat> there's a, there's an, a solution emerging. The, sim the simplest issue is Active streets around Wrigley Field is very difficult from a security perspective from the league's judgment. So after the um, ugly incident in Paris, the um, uh, State de, de, de France issue, the league has assessed every ballpark for risks for terrorism through an automobile. And we were in one of the bottom uh, rungs there. And uh, we understand that the merchants and the restaurants, bars up and down the street, don't want to have streets closed during games. So that was the tunny issue that I... I've been wrestling with him for a while. Another solution is to put bollards around the ballpark. And you heard this week uh, Alderman Brendan Riley talk about ne we need to put um, bollards up and down Michigan Avenue after the issue with the Prada store. Um, that's emerging as a solution. Uh, the city putting bollards around Wrigley Field as a way of securing it and not closing the streets. Um, and so we're, we're kind of chasing down that road, and I think that's a solution. I think if we were to do that, I would feel incredibly confident that the uh, commissioner would uh, so, give us an all-star so game. So 2027, the Chicago Cubs will have the all-star game. Bruce, Bruce Levine is <laughs> semi-reporting. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be up, it can't be until after 26 at yeah, this point. Those, those are already uh, yeah. allocated, yep. Joined by Crane Candy, the Cubs president of business operations for a few more minutes here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. So Crane, you talked about how you did the studies and you did the legwork in the background or the homework on Shohei Otani and the potential impact, uh, ratings, revenue. Are similar things done for managers? Like, is there is there a Craig Council effect? Because I'm asking only because not only because, but he's the most expensive manager in baseball. And at some point, I wonder if you if you wonder in your role, 
about the return on investment? Uh, that one happened so quickly. Uh, there was no work <laughs> done around uh, how much revenue be generated. But you, you do look at what you know. Managers create wins, you know, just like starting pitchers do. And um, you know, Craig Council is going to create wins for us. So uh, very excited to have another Domer in the building, <laughs> and uh, especially one with his pedigree. Um, have have really admired his work. Uh, we share a couple things in common besides our university, and, and I've gotten to know him a little bit over the years. And uh, I think our fans are going to really enjoy watching him on the top step of the dugout. From a business standpoint, you guys do get into the baseball aspect, and that is you work hand-in-hand -hand with Tom Ricketts and his family all the time. Tom made it very clear four or five years ago that we will continue to dabble in free agency and allow our president of baseball operations to do that, but we need to build a strong farm system. And we're not just going to spend money every off-season uh, and buy, bring in three free agents. We need to do that. How do, you, how do you feel that has transpired, where the Cubs are at as far as their farm system goes? And uh, just the, the way that Jed and Carter have handled this off-season and maybe going forward the others, because the farm system seems to be deep and maybe the best situation it's been in in decades. Yeah, um, huge uh, credit and admiration for Jed. You know, it's, it, it sounds uh, great to say you have a top five farm system, uh, which we do, uh, but to get there, he had to make some really difficult decisions uh, coming off of our 2016 championship team. And, you know, these conventions, now we didn't have one in 20, uh, but these conventions can get pretty ugly uh, when you have to make decisions. A year ago, it was all about uh, Willie. You know, we were making a difficult decision with Willie, and uh, the noise was loud. Um, and just like it was when we made decisions with Javi and, and Chris and, and, uh, and uh, Riz. <clears throat> and, you know, Jed takes those bullets. Um, he's been proved right more than wrong over and over again on making those decisions. So... They're not easy ones. Today, it's belly, um, you know. So the, the wheel spins, and I've, this is my 30th convention. The wheel has been spinning for a long time with me here. And you, you know, it's the flavor of the month. The flavor of the month yeah. this, is, this year is, is where's belly, where's belly. I sure hope we see belly again. Yeah, if, where is he, Crane? Yeah. I mean, come on, can get on that. You know, you know I get to, can you get Boris on line one? Yeah. You know, I, listen, great player. He enjoyed his time here. Uh, I got to spend time with him and his wife in London, and we talked about the magic of Wrigley Field and the special uh, city that Chicago is. We know he loved being here. Um, and then I get to – good news is I get to yeah. stay out of it from I that I mean, end. can you ever take your, your baseball economics hat off and just put your baseball fan hat on and says, you know, just like all of us say, like the fans say, you know – Belly, you know, your future is here in Chicago, you know. Uh, let's, let's work this out. You, you belong here. You've already proved that. Yeah, I think if, if it were you and I discussing about you, please come, come over to the marquee, Bruce, which at one point we had a conversation. I wish I had other leverage, but I, yeah. I didn't. And it's, uh, it's great to be there. If, if you had an agent like Scott Boris, we'd, <laughs> we'd still be negotiating. Uh, but he's got an agent that obviously believes that time is his friend. The agent has a very, very well-trodden uh, um, track record of taking players to the very end of the period and you know that's probably not going to change. Before we let you go just real quickly uh, the direct to con the consumer uh, issue and the, what you're introducing this year that's new for Cub fans you explained it well 
I asked you a question before the show off the air about what effect it might have about the Japanese market because we we're down that road with Otani and certainly now the show to Imanaga, he's got some obviously people who have vested interest in watching the Cubs. Is that feasible in the in the near future? And also, is there anything new planned for the fan experience at Wrigley Field this year that you're that you can share now? Yeah. So um, our D2C product, just like our cable, our linear business, is constrained to our territory, which is largely Illinois and parts of Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, and Wisconsin. That's 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 as far as we can take the D2C product. Um, the league has a service in Japan, so anyone in Japan who wants to see their players um, here in the in the states can watch, which is great. It's great for the game. It's not so great for the Cubs, but it's great for uh, the overall business. Uh, and, and Wrigley Field, like the good news on Wrigley Field is we're bringing to a close the 1060 project. I know the big moves are done. You know, the, the things that we talked about so often about will video boards ruin the experience and is signage the wrong thing for Wrigley Field and all of the issues that we dealt with, those are over. But the three big projects that remain were the roof, which really hadn't been touched since the 30s. Uh, all new roof going in today. Exterior lighting, which we're, um, we're going to actually finally dress the ballpark from the outside. We're so proud of how it turned out. It's, um, in my view, one of the most beautiful buildings, not just ballparks, but buildings in the city. And we're going to light it from the outside. And then there's some, some sort of technical stuff that we're doing. And then we're going to close the chapter on 1060. For us, it was, for me, it was 11 years. Put a bow on it, and we'll still have a project coming. In fact, we're actually coming up on the replacement of the video boards in the next wow. couple of years. <laughs> it's been that out. long. Yeah. A, a, yeah. a billion dollars doesn't take you quite as far as it used to. I, I, no. can, I can still remember when you put them in and we were all complaining. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, that was, those were fun days. Those were fun days. Crane Candy, thank you for joining us this morning. Yep, appreciate it, guys. Thanks a ton. We will visit with Jed Hoyer at the bottom of the hour, Bruce. We're looking forward to talking to the Cubs president to talk what's the latest with Cody Bellinger. And you want to stay tuned here on The Score next Wednesday. Score Overnights returns for a one-night special to honor the life of our friend Les Grobstein, the grobber. Mark Grody will host the overnight on Tuesday night into Wednesday, 12 to 5 a.m. Share memories of the grobber and celebrate a Chicago sports radio icon. Next Wednesday, starting at midnight right here on 670 The Score. When we come back, you want to know where the state of Cody Bellinger negotiations are? Maybe Judd Hoyer will share his thoughts on that process and this Cub offseason that has been uh, slow to start, but could still finish with a flourish. Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. We're Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission. 
back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back. It's Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. David Haw, Bruce Levine, live from the Cub Convention at the Sheridan Grand Hotel in downtown Chicago. Time now to welcome the Cubs president of baseball operations jed hoyer to the program good morning jed how are you guys doing we are doing well how are you feeling today how did the last night go the first night of the convention everybody's back it feels like the countdown to spring training this is always fun no it's great i feel like you can't you can't not have a lot of energy in here you know all the fans have energy and so uh, obviously it's a, a late night and an early morning but um you can't not you know, be excited to be here all the time. No time for softball questions, and that is, uh, look, you've talked about in the offseason how great Cody Bellinger was here and how you continue to be in touch with him via text. And I, I think that that shows uh, one of your strengths beyond your baseball acumen and what you brought here is the fact that you're a good guy and that people like you. That doesn't hurt when you're in the position that you're in. The fact that you have these communications with players. We had Dansby Swanson uh, here talking to us about how he communicates with you all this time. My assistant GM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, is that you're only a part of the equation. You made a chess move. You picked up a left-handed power hitter from the Dodgers that can't play for a space. Scott Boris, who has great players out there right now, represents Cody has other good players that the Cubs may or may not be interested in. How, how is that chess game going for you? And is there any anxiety, any trepidation going in forward, knowing that the player fits for you, he played great for you, but you have to be prepared to move on without him? Yeah, no, I think in general you have to um, – there's a lot of paths that can lead to, to winning. There's not one path that, that leads to winning. Obviously um, – I really like Cody. We've got a great relationship, and he's a great player. Um, but yeah, all the all roads can't lead that direction. You know, you have to have a lot of contingencies, and that's not just about him. It's about anyone. You know that um, if you build a team where one player gets hurt and you can't win, that's not a very good team. You know, this isn't the NBA. Uh, you got to build a team that has depth. You got to build a team that, you know, if someone goes down, you have to have a next man up mentality, and you know, depth is really important. So, you know, if if you can't build a team that if you take one player off that team, they're not very good. We have to look at free agency kind of the same way. Um, and so I think that's how I see it. There's a lot of paths for us to be really good. Um, I'm excited about our team. And, you know, we have more moves in store this offseason for sure. You know, we're, we're certainly not done, but it can't be a one-player makes the offseason type deal. I know you've addressed this publicly. We haven't talked to you since this happened. Going into this offseason, because of your we, – we've gotten to know you pretty well. You've been here since 2011, and we know that you deal with things – you're you, in a way that you humanize the, the process and you come across very uh, relatable. Firing David Ross could not have been easy. And so the way it's been reported, you showed up there, he wasn't expecting you. I, I, I imagine that had to be one of the more difficult conversations you've had as an executive. What was that process like in retrospect? And is it trying to wonder what you learned from the process or what you took away from that because it was so delicate in nature and important and significant to the Cubs? Yeah. Um, 
I guess I would say this. I feel there's a, there's a part of me that's uncomfortable talking about this because it was someone's career that, and someone that I've known since 2008. I mean, I knew David when he was in, in, in Boston, you know, so um, that part was really hard. Um, and I think I've said a number of times, I look at it like, you know, if a decision is unbelievably hard and I'm still willing to do it, it means I feel like it's the, the right thing to do. And that's how I felt about this, that, um, yeah, it made me sick to my stomach, the, the idea of, of flying to, you know, down there to, to talk to David, uh, it was, you know, because I think he's a really good manager, because I think he's a really good person. Um, and I think it was, without a doubt, the most difficult conversation in my career, as it would have to be. Um, but I felt like, you know, I have a responsibility to this organization to, to make hard decisions. Um, I've made a bunch of them. I, you know, listen, I've, a lot of players that I got to know really well, I had to make really hard decisions on in, in 21 as well. So I think that's part of the job, that you have to be, I want to be relatable. I want to be close to guys, but ultimately my responsibility is to the Cubs, to these people, to to the Ricketts, and I have to I have to always keep that in mind. Following up on David's question, I've asked a lot of baseball people this question over the years, and I always find it fascinating to get the answer. So I'll ask you: How much difference does a manager make in wins and losses? I've gotten you know variants of five, ten, one way. Uh, Kerry Wood gave me a great answer uh, about five years ago, and he said, uh, I don't know how many games a manager can win, but I certainly know that if you're not a good manager, there's X amount of games that you're going to lose because of that. It's funny you said that because I actually um, – we, we've studied this a lot, and there's certainly a, 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 a real tangible number of wins I, I think a good manager can get you. I think on the downside, it's, it's, it's obviously not – um, there's a number, but like I, I think on the downside, it's really massive. That when a when a manager or a coach in any sport loses the clubhouse and they lose respect to the players, when the, when it, when their message doesn't connect, the downside is so big. And that's one of those things. This is not ever going to happen to to Craig Council. And it's a great that's a great feeling. You don't ever have to worry about that. Um, I think we have got a really good group of guys and players and competitors, and I think that that, that certainly helps. But I. I have zero doubt when I go to bed at night that he will find a way to take the mix of players we have and make the most of it. That's what he does exceptionally well. You know, I think that if I gave him a collection of guys that could hit and not play defense, he'd find a way to win. And if I gave him a, guy, a collection of guys that could play defense and not hit, I think he'd find a way. And I just think that that's the, um, the beauty of it is I think in baseball, um, you can't have like a style. I think that like in, in other sports, you can be a, he's a defensive you know, he's a defensive coach. I don't, I don't think you can do that in baseball. I think you have to take the collection of players you're getting and get the most out of them. This is the nature of our sport, you know, that the Miami Heat can have a culture of tenaciousness and defense, and it works amazing, and Spolster is incredible. I just don't know if you can do that in baseball. I think you, you, you have to say, hey, these are the guys I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, and I'm going to make the most of it. It might be more organizational. It goes down to the system, yep. the Cubs way, or teams adopt a certain type of... Yep. Uh, emphasis that they teach at every level and, and I wonder this you get Craig Council and the expectation is well you know what first of all the Cubs are gonna have a big offseason because look what they just did the other understanding is that he does do more with less typically in Milwaukee that's what made him so great and what if he can do more with more in Chicago how I mean people come here and and the question I came opposed coming into the show was are people more excited about this season or more disappointed in the offseason because of the way it began 
and the way it sort of has stagnated, Jed. I mean, you hear it, I'm sure, walking around. I wonder what your level of frustration or impatience is. Well, I'd say a couple of things that, um, first of all, it's not a very good free agent class, like, period. So the idea of having a really big offseason this offseason is one of the thinner free agent classes I think we've ever had. And, you know, we knew that last offseason, you're staring ahead at, oh, the 24 offseason is pretty thin, you know. And so um, I'm not sure there's a, a the, the quote-unquote big offseason, I'm not sure that's in, in that group of players. Um, you know, as far as being aggressive and, and winning, making more with more, um, there's a right time, certainly in our future, to, to sort of have that big offseason, to be really aggressive, to, to do that. But you, you have to have the players to, to do it, you know. Um, and so um, I would, at some point, that, that is the right move. I, you just can't, you can't force it, I guess, is probably the best way to say it. You and I uh, differ, and your opinion matters, mine doesn't so much, on Christopher Morrell. I asked you this question yesterday in the media scrum about uh, whether he's got a position or not, and, you know, your answer was, which has been the organization opinion, is he's a good baseball athlete. We can move him around to different positions. My theory is, look, you got a guy that's a known home run hitter. He's... He's got something there. He could be a 30 to 40 home run hitter every year, maybe even more. Why not put him in just one position and say, leave him alone. This is your position. Go get him. Your theory is, you know what? During a baseball season, there's going to be a lot of injuries. He's a good baseball athlete. We can move him around. You know, tell, tell me why my thoughts about just leaving him in one position doesn't really hold water. <laughs> Tell me what I don't know, Jeff. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I just, you know, to me, um, I just, my, my, my views on this have changed a ton over the years. I, I feel like the game has changed. Um, it used to be sort of making out the lineup card with the nine guys and make out the lineup, you know, you're, here are your five starters, you're three good relievers, and you play. And, and now it's just so much about, you know, it's not your 26 guys, it's about your 45 guys you're going to use. And so, that's where, to me, Morrell is so valuable through the length of the season. He's going to play a ton. He's going to get a ton of at-bats for us. He's, he's going to play a lot. He's just going to play in different spots because we're going to have, we're going to have injuries. We're going to have, you But know. he wasn't very good at any of those, okay? So with that in mind, you know, uh, that, that's where my, the baseball fan He's young, fan Bruce. He's yeah. young. The baseball fan yeah. of me says, yeah, not everybody can play all these positions, Jed, because some of them are just not really defensively qualified. No, I think that that's one view is like you just give him one spot and let him, and let him go. And I, I think that usually happens organically. I, I just think that, you know, um, someone's going to get hurt that we haven't, right. we're not thinking about. And then that ends up being the spot. And like to just build nine guys and say, let's go, I think, I think you're going to have injuries. And that's one of the things that I always, um, I, I, I try to remember over, every year and I used to I used to have a, a two and a half day drive before opening day with my dog I'd drive them back and it would kind of be my time to think and the thing I would tell myself over and over is weird stuff is going to happen that you can't think of right now right. and you have to be prepared for that like you, you you try to think about every inevitability of what's going to happen but like when you start the baseball season it is a long and winding path that, that is going to take twists and turns and different thing, things are going to happen and I think that you have to be mentally prepared for all those things. How do you see Shota Imanaga fitting into the rotation? And are you done with starting pitching this offseason? 
Um, well, first of all, I think it'll fit in really well. Um, there's always an adjustment period, and you know you don't know what degree that's going to take. But I think the um, the way he pitches and the, and the and the mix he has, I think um, he will he has all the tools necessary to use that mix to to get guys out over here. You know, um, over there, his four seam fastball is so good. I mean, I think you know led led MPB in strikeouts last year. He was able to kind of go up and in on righties with a four-seamer and blow guys up. Over here, probably not going to do that as much, but he has a good split, you know, slider, curveball. I think his mix will work well. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see his, uh, you know, his, his transition. As far as being done with starting pitching, I mean, we're always looking. Um, I'm, I'm, there, there may not be another big addition, but you're always looking to find innings. And I was saying up there on stage that it's where the game has changed and you just have to evolve that, the days of getting you know 900 to 1,000 innings, knowing that out of your starting rotation, like those, those days are over. Guys don't face guys a third time through. Guys don't throw 200 innings, and so you have to be prepared to, you know, let eight to 10 guys take those starts and, and do those innings. It's a different sport that way. You and Carter have done exactly what Tom Ricketts asked you to do when you took over the job, and that is build a farm system that not only helps us on the field, but we can trade players, and other teams will be interested in our guys. Congratulations to you. This is one of the harder things that any general manager has to do. You've done that, and you've done it well. My question to you is about Pete Crow Armstrong. When you try to evaluate the minimal amount of at-bats and games that he played compared to where he's at and can he be your starting center fielder, how anxious do you get about a decision like that going into spring training 2024? So I don't put a lot of basis on what we saw. It's, you know, 13 at-bats and whatever it was in a pennant race. And um, his track record obviously speaks to more of that. I, 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 the more than that. I, to me, Craig's attitude is exactly right. Where the expectation has to be that a player is going to struggle when he comes to the big leagues and then he's going to adjust, especially a 21-year-old. What he does well, he does at the highest possible level. You know, I mean, he is a, you know, he's probably one of the three best people in the world that can play center field, you know, and that saves a lot of runs. And so there may be a world in which we put him in a lineup before his bat is ready, knowing that, right? And I think that, you know, I, you know the Brewers did that last year with Bryce Terang. He played second base. He covers half the field. He's incredible there. You know, I think he on base like 250 or 260, but they felt like, he was providing wins for them. And so um, I think Pete's going to be a really good hitter in the big leagues. You know, his defense is ahead of that. And I think that's a, a challenge. How do you work through that? So you were a history major at Wesleyan University. So you know well the people that came before you. Bill Belichick was one of them at Wesleyan University. He retires this week. Well, oh, no. Let me rephrase that. He left the Patriots this <laughs> yeah. week. He will coach again. Do you have a relationship with your fellow Wesleyan University graduate? And what was your reaction as a Patriots guy, right? As a Patriots fan yep. to, to him leaving and not being able to win without Brady? Well, first of all, I just want to say that, like, you know, I was in Boston for a long time. I grew up in New Hampshire. But, like, I'm not a Patriots fan anymore. I was a Belichick fan. I mean, I'm a Bears fan now. I got three boys I got to raise as, as Bears fans. So I think that is a, it's important. They're going to love that Caleb Williams jersey. Yeah. <laughs> My, my son, we, I took my son to a USC uh, game this year. That was what he wanted to do. And he's already, he's already got one. So he's <laughs> smart, smart kid. Yeah. So um, I don't know Bill well. We, we've communicated a decent amount over the years. It's not like we're friends, but we've talked a bit over the years. And I think in 2018, 
Um, their front office came and visited our front office and we kind of exchanged ideas. Um, I mean, he's exceptional. There's no way around it. You know, what he's done is unbelievable. His football mind is, is so amazing. One of the things that was really impressive, that the, the two most impressive people or groups that we've ever met with, and we did a ton of this, especially after 2016, was um, you know, we had lunch with Spolstra, who's unbelievable, and it just had a, this is what we do and we do well. And that was the key thing when we met with the Patriots. It's like, this is what we do well. And I think there's a lot to that, that, you know, in any draft, you know, we're going to get one of every 30 players, right? And so it's like, you have, you know, you, you're going to miss on 29 out of 30 players. Pick guys that you want, not that the draft people think you want, not that, you know, right. these are our style of players. And I think the Patriots did an exceptional job of that for a long time. They had a style. They played it. Obviously, Brady was a huge part of that, but... Um, you know, to win six titles in that number of years is, is amazing to be that good that long. And, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting, right? Because I think that this week you'd be crazy not to sort of step back as a person and think about just like your career mortality, sort of, so to speak, right? You watch, you know, Nick Saban's the best to ever do it. He steps away. You know, Belichick's the best to ever do it. He steps away. And you realize, like, this Pete is Carroll. a... Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. This is a chapter, uh, 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 and, you know, so to watch those guys and see what they did and, and see them step away. Um, you know, someone will sit in my chair at some point. That is part of life. My job is to be the best custodian of the organization as long as I can in that chair, but realizing that, like, someone will be there after me, mm -hmm. you know? Philosophically, you've always been opposed to long-term deals for closers, okay? Historically, it's been proven out to you the reason, that's the reason why you have that philosophy. Uh, can that change, will that change with this market, uh, depending on uh, maybe the inventory of the person out there that uh, wants five years and might only get two or three? Yeah. The elite, elite closer, um, the leverage they pitch in makes a huge difference. I mean, uh, you know, certainly when we traded for Chapman, there was a reason. It was like he was going to pitch the highest leverage innings, and we knew we were kind of one piece away from being easily the best team. Um, we traded Jorge Soler. He didn't have, I mean, in a, in a non-DH world, we just didn't have a place for him, but we traded him for one year away Davis and a draft pick because of the leverage he was going to pitch. So I do believe in that, but I also think that um, the most volatile position on a baseball field is, is a reliever, and I think you have to take that in mind as you build a bullpen that this is a high-volatility, high-regression area, and you have to think about your investments in that way that you want to put your dollars generally in the areas that you're most certain about. Jed Hoyer, thank you for joining us. This has been a lot of fun, and everybody, I think, enjoyed it. Uh, so appreciate it. Always. Thank you, guys. Thanks. I appreciate it. See ya. All right. Inside the clubhouse, we will be back to wrap things up here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. That was a lot of fun, Bruce. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Jed Hoyer, Crane Kenny, Dansby Swanson, what's your biggest takeaway from today's super show? I, th I think that. Um Cub fans should feel good about Bellinger coming back here. If they're reasonable, they go to, like, five or six years, okay? And, and again, 
for for Scott Boris, that that's like going to uh, having his teeth pulled out, okay? <laughs> because he feels he has the best player on the marketplace, okay? And he wants to monetize that to eight years and thirty million dollars a year, and, and that's just not going to happen in this marketplace. I think a lot of optimism still exists for the Cubs. I think there's a lot of work still to be done, and I'm not convinced they're finished. I think that's the one thing you talk right. to Jed, you get the sense from players and being here yesterday, there's a sense that they are on the verge of adding and that by the time they go to spring training in a month, this is going to be a different vibe. And it's, even, and it's a good one right now. And, and the, the deep uh, pitching, uh, okay, it, it might not be all-star quality of every starting pitcher, but they're deep in it, and they're expecting Ben Brown. They're expecting Cade Horton to be a part of the 2024 pitching staff at some point. That, that's a good thing to have. That, that's, you know, again, pitching and defense, I think the Cubs can count on a lot of that going into this season. You want to keep it right here. Steve Rosenblum is next, and then all weekend long, NFL Super Wild Card Weekend finally is here. Listen to every game free on the Odyssey app and right here at 6-7 to score today. Browns and the Texans. Coverage begins at 3. Then tomorrow, Wild Card triple header. Steelers at Bills, followed by Packers and Cowboys, Rams and Lions. Tomorrow's triple header begins at 11.30 on the score. Take the NFL playoffs wherever you go with 670 score and the free Odyssey app. Bruce, thank you for setting this up, and thank you for welcoming me, welcoming me back as warmly as you did. And thanks uh, to Rich and, uh, and, and certainly uh, Robbie for doing a great job uh, directing Rich us Rich White here. is everywhere. Yes, he is. Bulls game last night here today. He talked Robbie, me off the ledge earlier this Robbie week. Trinos. I mean, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website, 670thescore.com. Occasional appearances on uh, Mully and Haw and the other shows on the station. And next Saturday, stay tuned. I will be here with you. Uh, David hopefully will be back from time to time as he will be uh, certainly the main co-host. Got to talk to the boss. Thank you for listening to everyone um, inside the club by Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.